BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of the man that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by Star Trek Enterprise's own Dr. Phlox, John Billingsley. For me, science fiction is a way of thinking, a way of logic that bypasses a lot of nonsense. It allows people to look directly at important subjects. Welcome back to the podcast, quoting Gene Roddenberry. And we were lucky enough to have Charisma Carpenter, actress, producer, mother, many, many, many activists, many things with us again. And, uh... Instead of me babbling on, I want to throw it right to you, Charisma. And oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't have to, but I was just wanted to know well, your take on this. Honestly, I just feel so unqualified to even comment on this because I am probably the least imaginative person. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am so not imaginative in the idea of sci-fi, even though I was on a show. The only thing I can think of is in terms, it, I mean, Buffy, I don't think of Buffy as sci-fi, but I guess it falls in that category. But I think the only thing I can think of reminds me of an episode uh, called Invisible Girl. And it basically uses the metaphor of feeling invisible and she turns invisible. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and so it, it it's commentary on it, it, it's using metaphor to make commentary on how we see things and how we don't like, even, even as a 50 year old woman, I, I've noticed, and it could just, you know, it's just whatever. It's like, I remember when I was really, really pregnant and I wasn't 50 then, but when I was really, really pregnant, I was invisible. Like mm-hmm. I really <laughs> felt like nobody gives shit you know what I mean Uh nobody's looking at me two times no nobody nobody's giving me the time of day no like special treatment I'm I'm older than you and not pregnant and I am very (laughs) invisible at this age as a woman and it's been an interesting thing to get used to Mm. a little bit you know Uh, she's not because she looks like a supermodel absolutely you're you're gorgeous are you kidding me um but the 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 episode you know in the sense of using sci-fi or using metaphor to make you know commentary on a very universal feeling for a lot of people, you know, at, if not all the time, at least at different times in their lives, you can identify with feeling invisible. I think that's extraordinary. You know, um, I don't have that gift and I just love it when you get to witness it. One of the reasons why I love Star Trek so much and why I love Buffy and Angel so much is because through the power of the art of entertainment, we are able to learn about ourselves, about, you know, our 
culture and the way that we relate to one another. Uh, in terms of uh, Buffy and Angel, for example, that show, you know, at the at the surface, it's about, you know, a young girl, she's you know, slaying vampires and monsters and her friends are helping her. And that's like the show. But Buffy is more than that. You know, it's about the power of of women. Uh, it's the power of, uh, you know, like like Buffy's character, like she has she's the superhero of that of that series. And I argue that Cordelia is that same female power on in Angel. Oh. And, you know, there are there yeah, are there absolutely are, by there the are way philosophy books written on this the the lessons that we've learned from the stories of Buffy and Angel. And then yeah. in terms of, of sci-fi and Star Trek in particular, we've talked a few times about how Gene was able to use the vehicle of storytelling on television to put together a multicultural, diverse crew, put them on the, the bridge of a starship, set them in space in the future in a time when there was racial strife and and just mm -hmm. uh, like we, like the 1960s were a very turbulent time here. And while mm -hmm. there were, um, you know, images of police brutality and, and worse on the news in the, you know, and that very same night on the same channel was, you know, these fantastical stories about humans just, you know, mm -hmm. three or four hundred years in the future who've, who've evolved beyond all of that pettiness and all of that hatred to the point where in the 23rd century, the earth is essentially a paradise. There's no hunger. There's everyone. There's liter like 100 percent literacy. And because man has finally able to evolve to that point, they were finally able to break free from the bounds of our, our own planet and then venture out into space and then encounter other civilizations where they maybe not had not figured that out yet. You know, like others, you know, a lot of the stories teach us about war and politics and religion, but through the lens of these alien civilizations on the other side of the universe. So we're able as viewers here in the now to see that in ourselves, but there's the hope that, you know, but but eventually humans get to where we're beyond that. And that's what's wonderful about sci-fi and fantasy and these kind of fictional stories is that we can get entertainment and learn and still be entertained at the same time. Right. Well, especially Star Trek is so allegorical mm -hmm. for our own inner stuff. And um, I've mentioned this before in the podcast. Like I wrote a book last year. It's uh, how, do you, how do you use tarot, Jungian psychology-based tarot to get to know yourself. And I think with sci-fi, is so good at is bring looking at our shadow sides, meaning the sides we don't really want to admit mm -hmm. or talk about or have shame about, right? But sci-fi can reflect that and we can sort of synthesize the lesson that way. And even with, uh, like, because you mentioned uh, Buffy and Angel, even with the craft, if you notice, our skirts get shorter as our powers get stronger mm. because ultimately the movie is an allegory for teenage sexuality, mm -hmm. female sexuality, that, that burgeoning... Yeah, this zest of energy we get at that age, but we don't know what to do with it. And it's very big and it's very powerful and we don't really know how to control it yet or where to throw that energy. We can get ourselves in trouble at that age, can't we, by mm -hmm. throwing it at anyway. So the craft, basically an analogy for that, just like Joseph Campbell, when he talks about the hero's journey and those, uh, you know, if we look at Greek mythology and all those things are really sci-fi in their own way, right? And it's mm. all to kind of explain our own 
human condition, yep. I would say. Yep. And I think it, as the per this quote towards the end of it, it says it allows people to look directly at important subjects, which I think is great because we we have a trouble doing that if it's just us. If yeah. we can put it in a fantastical setting, then we can look at it. I will say on a personal note, and this is just my opinion, Every I know everyone, listen, I love a superhero movie too. I really do. But I'm a little super saturated and I feel like the super, the rise of the superhero came up after 9-11, I believe is a response to that, right? We are trying to right the wrongs and show America's might mm. and um, have a society where that wouldn't be able to happen 9-11 because we have Superman. And I just think 20 years later, uh, I, I miss storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I miss... Because Star Trek did both so well. Mm -hmm. It did the fantastical, but it always had a message and I'm a right story. there with you. Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. Are you Charisma? Because I'm trying to... percent I'm trying to say it carefully because just like you, Charisma, I would love to be in a superhero movie. I enjoy them, but... Yeah, I, I, think, I think that it's okay to have them, but I hear you in the sense that it is oversaturated we need more diversity at the movie theater yeah we do thank <laughs> you you know i i would you know i i feel that in my heart i relate i loved what you said trent about how it reframes what is going on at the time out there mm -hmm. so it makes the audience more receptive to hearing the message and isn't that communication right in the nutshell, yeah. it's all about mm -hmm. meeting people where they are. Absolutely. And if you can reframe things in a way that they can hear it, imagine the possibilities. <laughs> yeah. You know, however, for me personally, even based on my own experience, my own filters, my own stuff, mm -hmm. you know, from childhood or, you know, work or whatever, we we, as you were talking, Rachel, about 9-11 and superhero is a response to the 9-11 and sort of like we show our might. It's interesting that you use that because I was just today in a position to respond with all my might where I could have squashed that <laughs> situation. <laughs> I believe and, you, by the way. <laughs> and meaning like with truth. Mm -hmm. And the because right. this, this there's and there comes a point in time where you just have to reframe, yep. regroup, yep. pull back, use restraint of pen and tongue, show compassion, meet energetically uh, higher than what your impulse, what your justifiable anger, whatever it like. It's so hard. One hundred percent. For you, you know, it's charisma. You seem so like calm. Like you wouldn't. For me, it is. That's a lesson I've learned recently, which I'm even writing about for my next book. Which is just everyone needs to learn their cool down point, yep. man. Yep. Like if you it's called pause, right? Because I'm. A pause. I didn't take a pause. I used to just react, mm -hmm. and then I was like, Same. "Oh fuck, that's I'm killing myself, everyone around me." So whether it is if I get an email that's really upsetting, I don't answer it right away. Mm -hmm. Now mm -hmm. I go yes. and calm the f down. Mm -hmm. So yes. I don't know how you did it in the moment, Charisma, while people I were around. I didn't That's respond. That's, ah. I did what you did. Yep. I paused. Yep. And I did. And I felt like, hold on, maybe I should send an email saying, I'm pausing on this. I'm processing this. Um, don't even I have think, to. I, I know, but it's, it's my nature to communicate. I'm a communicator. Mm -hmm. I like, gotcha. I, but at the same time, that's caretaking. Yeah. yeah. But I also mm -hmm. just think it's a bit courteous. 
it's a courteous to go. I'm thinking about what you're asking of me. I'm thinking about this situation. I will respond at my earliest convenience mm-hmm. when I have the word. Yep. You know, I think that's gracious. I think it's yeah, honest. It it's I compassionate. think it takes the heat off. You know what I mean? So they don't feel or story tell or get in a narration that is awful. Yep. You know, I just feel like, but I didn't do it. I just took the time for myself because uh, I, having responded now, should have done that. And usually I do, but I was very fraught over the situation. So I really just had to practice pausing. And I talked to a very trusted friend. Mm. Good move. Mm-hmm. Communication I admire, who meets things with de-escalation, humanity, compassion. Can I and get really, her number? <laughs> <laughs> I can give you her number. She's actually, she's my friend. She's also actually a very effective therapist. She gave me this book, oh. actually. I'll share it with you guys because we're on this subject. She said, you know, because it talk, I says the dialectical behavior therapy skills book, because this situation brings up a lot of anger for me. And I didn't want to respond that way, right. even though I'm entitled mm-hmm. and it would be all like I could have all of my yippie girlfriends around go. Yes, go. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, no. You know, with her, no, whatever, you know, them, no. Yeah. And I didn't want to go there. I wanted to take the sting out and just this is a healing moment this Everyone is a moment aging yeah. and this is such a beautiful part of aging sorry to interrupt yeah. but i just meant like there's a beautiful part of growing up don't you think oh is- a thousand percent yeah, because I kind of love that you said your age, like, fuck it. Because also, everyone already knows my age, your age, whatever. It's out there. But it's there's no shame in aging. We are. It's a privilege yeah, to be alive. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm really enjoying this. It's just <laughs> so nice to talk about, you know, our interpersonal communication styles and, you know, the, how it fits into reframing and storytelling and... Yeah. I, I actually try your description has really made me consider for the first time in 30 years mm-hmm. to actually maybe watch it. I remember and having very fond memories of sitting on the couch with my dad, my mom in the kitchen in the distance, and it was on the TV. Star Trek was on the TV, but I was too young. Like I liked like the monsters and the aliens mm-hmm. and oh, mm-hmm. there's a there's a meteor coming and it was like entertaining, but I didn't get the allegories. Mm-hmm. I didn't get the metaphors. I didn't get any of that. So it might actually, given what you've said and where I'm at in my life, it might yeah. be an interesting time to explore that. Yeah. And there are so many amazing characters, you know, human, non-human, female, of, of different ethnicities. It is a, uh, a, a, a treasure trove of rich stories and storytelling amongst all of the, the franchises. I mean, I, I love it. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> Even to the point in Star Trek with having the empath character, yeah. I loved because a lot of us are overly sensitive, right? And that almost can shut us down mm-hmm. when we're in social situations because we're so sensitive to our, our ourselves, but also other people's energy and everything that's coming mm-hmm. at us. So I think that was probably the first time so the, some of the audience was like, whoa, oh, empath, what is that? What is that? that? 
Yeah, and so uh, this is part of why, to to what you were saying, Charisma, why I'm enjoying doing this podcast so much. Because if I was just, you know, interviewing people about their, you know, the new puppy and your movie, that's, Mm -hmm. sure, that's great. But this, to me, so much more interesting. Yeah. Because it is, we're trying to parse how to move forward as humans with interconnectedness, yeah. you know, and the guests we've had on from you to all, all our other fantastic guests have had such great things to say on the subject matter. And I can tell Charisma, this is something that's actually near and dear to your heart. It's almost like you want you 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 have so much high stakes mm-hmm. in this and probably mm-hmm. because you're a mom, huh? Oh, I think being a mother is really been a terrific um, experience in that sense and self-discovery and, you know, also being aware of what your character defects are. It just puts it on blast. Mm-hmm. Like everything comes <laughs> off, you know, you're just confronted with all of your stuff, you know, with well, it. Is that your science days. fiction though? Here's my question and then we'll wrap it up. But, but seriously, cause I'm not a parent. I always wanted to be, uh, oh. I didn't have that luxury. Um, but um, as it are, you know, cause the quote is for me, science fiction is a way of thinking and it bypasses all of this and allows people to look directly at important subjects. Your kids are a mirror, are they not? Mm. Oh yeah. Or your own high vibe, low vibe, the shadow mm-hmm. side, all those mm-hmm. things. Right. Well, we, how would you say that you've changed and then you don't have to get too deep on it, but how would you say you've changed after being a parent? Um, I, I, I can honestly say that I really became aware that we are all connected on a world level and that what happens in China and what's in the sea and the radio nuclear blast that happened and what happened in the tsunami in Sri Lanka and the war in Rwanda uh, was all kind of happening around that time. I saw a movie called Hotel Rwanda, which opened my eyes to what had happened in Rwanda in the in the 90s, uh, I was on a soundstage making Angel. I was oblivious to what was happening in the world. And so when I had my son, the news concerned me. The world concerned me. I was so self-absorbed, so in my own bubble. So like, what car am I going to drive? What what am I going to, what friends am I going to meet? And what club is, is it am I going to get into? actors, though? You almost have to be like that when we are getting our careers going. I'm not, you can't stay that way. You can't stay self-absorbed for the rest of our lives. But I'm going to defend actors and say, you know, well, you are working then. a trillion hours. I mean, I was no doubt working a, a ton of hours. And you don't have, you don't even have, it. it is, it is not, <laughs> It's you, don't not have the luxury. Right. you don't have the luxury of self-reflection time when we are uh, on set. But my child, yes. Yeah. My child is what, that's how my child changed me was that I, you know, that was my aha moment that um, we are all connected and that the world matters and how I leave it needs to be a legacy for him. Oh, can I just say how deep that is to me? Because, and I don't know if I've said it before in the podcast, but a friend of mine with kids who's a uh, mixed black and Jewish too, was at the thing at her fancy school and something had just happened in the news, right? This was two years ago, a big thing in the news, a mm-hmm. uh, racially thing. And my friend was very upset about it. And one of the other mothers said, Oh, I don't worry about that. It doesn't affect me and my little, you know, uh, uh, whatever their name was. I don't want to say their name, mm-hmm. but like, it doesn't affect me. And I, my friend and I, who's again, black as well, we were just like, I get it doesn't affect you, lady, but it does affect you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad, thank it you. It should all matter. 
It yeah. should always matter. We're lucky enough to have charisma for a couple more episodes, right, Trump? So we definitely yeah. have more conversations ahead. Uh, and we uh, implore you to check out uh, today's video of John reading uh, the quote on our social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join all three of us tomorrow on Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us, post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. 